Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with Comic Chris Griggs. Chris Griggs, how the hell are you? I am doing as good as one can do in all this stuff these days. It's a beautiful day, and uh, it's a weekend, so I, I only drink on the weekends. So I, that's my that's my boundary I've given myself during the pandemic. So it's a good day. That's a pretty good boundary, man. Weekends, that's only, uh, what, 52 weeks a year? That's only 104 days of drinking, right? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't do good. It's weird. Like, I don't... Uh, I don't do good just having a drink. Like I typically will have several. So, and then, you know, you start drinking and the next thing you know, you're having a pizza on top of ice cream. And, and I just decided, man, the only thing worse than what's going on right now is me coming out of here, just being some greased up fat slob with high blood pressure and an alcohol problem. You know, dude, you are speaking my language, dude. I've been a greased up fat hog for, for quite a while. And only recently did I, yeah, I, I quit, I quit the drinking recently cause it fucked with my digestion. It's so funny. Cause that's the only thing that uh, would stop me. Cause I like, I don't, I only use, I don't use public bathrooms. And so like the fact that drinking made me use the public bathroom during a pandemic was like too much for me to bear because I have like OCD. And so it's so funny, like nothing else, like weight gain, <laughs> losing money, you know, all this shit. Like it didn't stop me drinking. I lost my it's- friends. Yeah. I can't be in a real relationship, <laughs> intimacy issues, yeah. but no, I will not use a public bathroom. Yeah. It only, only when it fucks with my digestion. So yeah, I stopped that. But it, yeah. And it helped things like sleep and stuff, but now it's hard to get up. Like my sleep is now so deep that I can no longer pop out of bed like I used to when I was hungover. Yeah, I don't know. I I think everyone has to sort of navigate their own path with drugs and alcohol. You know, I've never, I've never done drugs. I've never been into drugs a lot. I had some uh, family members that gave me a very crystal clear image of what it looks like when you abuse drugs. So I I never got into that, but Good. And I didn't really drink when I was super young, but you know, yeah, I just, I do fine with it just being on the weekends. I also, you know, I've been doing this thing where I try to eat healthy during the week and then I just, on the weekends, I'm basically like some guy that just got out of prison. You know, every, I eat everything inside, I drink yeah. everything. So yeah, it's a party. It's a party with just me. I don't know what kind of party that is, but yeah. So I'm, the, I'm the same way because I'm a food addict. I don't like to eat with people because first of all, you don't want to see them when you're eating all this fucking shit. But also then when I want to diet, because I'm a pretty good yo-yo dieter, like then I don't have any food kind of dates set up. Like once you start eating with other people, you're like, oh, I used to have pizza with my guitarist. It's like then during a diet, it's hard to kind of, you know, cut that shit out because you're like, that was yeah. kind of a routine we had. But um, but even when I back, went back to Chicago recently for about six months and I lost like 50 pounds and the way I did it is just... I had barely anything during the weekdays. And then on the weekend, sure enough, like you, man, I was fucking pounding the pints of ice cream and just fucking going nutty. And I think the timing of eating actually matters. I, I t- well, I've definitely never really been that into eating uh, late night because that's just obvious to me. But I, and I, w- and I hate to even say this because then you're just one of those people that is obnoxious, but I've, <laughs> I've been messing around with, uh, yeah, timing of food, but also that intermittent fasting thing I've been playing around with during the pandemic, and yeah. it, it works. I mean, it works. It, it's almost like you're giving your body some time off. You know, it's, it's yeah. It's, I think and how, I almost how, feel it. Yeah, how intermittent like, is it? Um, I usually basically I'll do 
uh, Monday through like Sunday, Monday through Wednesday, I pretty much do, uh, I'll just do like one meal uh, at like five o'clock and a, a smaller day. meal a day. Yeah, a day. Okay. And then on Thursday, I'll usually maybe do like two, you know, like maybe a small meal at lunch and then one at, uh, and then one at uh, uh, maybe five o'clock. And then I won't eat until like noon the next day. And you can almost time the hunger and the fact that hunger can kind of leave you. Like meaning you're like, I have four hours to get kind of hungry, but you wait 20 minutes. I really minutes and do believe done. that. Yeah. I really think your body, if you give your body a week or so, your body will adjust to whatever, you know, okay, well, this is, <laughs> this is the way we work now. And then I even think my body knows it's cool. Cause man, this weekend he's got some Jameson and it's going to be some Jameson yeah. and uh, it's going to be a party. So yeah. A little pizza. Yeah. It's Meat, oh, there's a meatball place that just reopened up. I had a, oh, there was this meatball place on my corner. I live in Manhattan, and uh, oh, they did. They didn't. They drove me these two nice, you know, little Italian people, and they didn't put up a sign like every other restaurant that says we're out of business or we're on pause or we're taking a break. All yeah. of a sudden, it was just shuttered, you know, in Fuck. March. And I was like, no, not my meatball place, yeah. man. There's no way. And yeah. and then all of a sudden, they're just open, you know, about a month ago. And you and thank your classic. you thank your your many your many gods and you thank you you oh thank your God. lucky stars. I was so happy, but then yeah. it's so it's typical like that old stereotypical Italian guy where he walked and he even had plexiglass and you could tell he did stuff. And I looked at him and I said, "Man, I was really worried that you all weren't going to be in business. You know, I'm really this is great remodel." And he looked at me like I was an asshole. You know, like he, he didn't even answer me. Really? Because like, is he pissed off at the arrangement or what? Nah, he's just one of those. You know how I don't know how you go into some places in New York where. He loves me, you know, like he'll always give me a little heads up, but he's not going to talk to you and be nice and ask you about your day. He's just one of those, it's just one of those people that, uh, like one of those restaurant people in New York where they're just sort of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Know? It's like, and we might be close soon. Like, fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we missed your meatball a week. Fucking. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, actually prefer Brian Coppa because he eats every fucking day. You Chris Griggs, man, you're fucking intermittent fasting. Go fuck yourself with your 10 meatballs. I know, man. Like, give me you, you little mister. You only get crazy on the weekends. I can't make any money off you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, the same thing happened with me with seamless because uh certain, my restaurant, which has a bison burger, and a braised, oh. braised short rib fries. Yes. <laughs> and you're just like, no, you didn't. And braised short rib quesadillas. Like all of a sudden, uh, it stopped, but it didn't even notify Seamless. So Seamless was, or Grubhub or whatever, was still taking the order. <laughs> and oh. then an hour went by and they didn't come. And I'm calling them up and be like, you have this thing is open. I don't think this place is open because I even called them up. And they finally, like, then, then the next day, it was closed and it was closed for months. And I was like, you motherfucker. That's the Chris, Chris, Chris Griggs meatball phenomenon. Go fuck yourself. But yeah, real quick, we're going to talk about, cause you've been doing comedy for a long fucking time and you do stand up and improv. And I think you're teaching both. And it sounds like you might be about to teach a bunch of high schoolers in Brooklyn, these fucking art forms. And I kind of was interested about how you do that. Like, how do you, cause, cause my first, my first experience with improv was so shitty compared to stand up. Sure. That I'll, I'm just uh, kind of down on it because you don't have any control. So how can you kind of introduce it in ways that, pe that people will respond well to it? Like they have to have a good experience with it or they're going to hate it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I even tell people when I'm teaching, well, I'm like, yeah, I am. A, I teach um, improv at a charter school in Brooklyn and it looks like that's going to, you know, pick up. So I'll probably wind up dying and catching the disease. But the, um, I've been teaching improv for probably about maybe like 16 years. 
And I never wanted, I've been, but lately, maybe the last three or four years, I've been teaching intro stand-up a little bit. And I never wanted to teach stand-up for the longest time because I don't, you can't really teach anybody to do stand-up. They, they just have to put in the time and yeah. they have to put in the time and the talent. And then eventually, because I do it at the uh, People's Improv Theater, the pit here in New York, they've also got a theater in North Carolina. But uh -huh. the, um, but then over time, people kept asking me to do it. And I thought, you know, stand-up is so brutal. Maybe just a kinder, gentler, I'll teach a little intro class. Like, and I still do that. I don't want to teach advanced stand-up. Yeah. Um, I don't want to tell angry Carl that his testicle juggling joke is maybe not all that, you know, that he's been doing for nine years. So I don't want to get into advanced stand-up, but I, I do think just some basic fundamentals and kind of easing people into a tough art form with stand-up um, is, is good. But improv, I think improv is a healthy art form. I mean, and, and I tell people, to your point, I tell people, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Very, if you tell me the people that can do improv and stand-up at a professional level to where someone would pay them, it's very few people can do both. Yeah. Because they're opposite. They're completely opposite. They're opposite uses of your brain. Uh, you know, stand-up is, you know, narcissistic and Darwinist, Darwinism and you're, you're writing about yourself endlessly in the shadows while you cut yourself and, you know, it's brutal and it's just a brutal art form. But then we wouldn't, you know, but then like me, even though I do improv and stand-up, if you put a gun in my head, I would just do stand-up. If I, if I had to choose... I would just do stand-up and that's the way all stand-ups are built in some way. Yeah, like why? You have just to because you, you like the control? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just stand-up is just something, it's almost like that marvelous Miss Maisel show where the Lenny Bruce character said, if you know, if you can see yourself doing anything else, you should, uh, because there's really nothing healthy about it. I mean, the only yeah. good part about it is the camaraderie with other comedians. Uh, Cause I think comedians are some of the, even though we're all damaged and broken, we're really like, they're just some great people. And, yeah. and but the business is brutal. Everyone's kind of the king and queen of tiny island, you know. Everyone's on power, drugs, and power, and it's hard to. Everyone's running their own little gated community. That's yes. like how much time you put in. Yeah. And it's it's not anything functional about it, except when you're on stage. But even that, you know, like even like Dave Chappelle's talked about, like it's not real, but it's a, it's like the closest thing to real. Like it's like it's almost like a fake relationship, but it feels real, but it's not kind of a thing, and it's a. Uh, but improv is extremely healthy art form. I mean, it's um, it's basically allowing people to self-actualize themselves in real time and represent themselves to the top of their intelligence and be able to work and say yes to other people of all walks uh -huh. of life. Like, I really think the world would be better if everyone did improv. But I understand why stand-ups hate it. And that's why I have a lot of stand-ups. I have two stand-ups in a class I'm taking now that I've known for a long time. And, and they, they struggle with it. And I get it because you're used to working alone. You don't play well with others. You do everything on yourself. And I'm asking you to not try to tell jokes right out of the gate and ruin a scene and work with other people. Yeah, but trust, somebody, trust that somebody else is going to take their spotlight and do something productive with it. Yes, because improv is, you know, the group mind is smarter than the individual. And stand-up yeah. is the opposite of that. So, and then by the same token, you know, I'm around a lot of improvisers study with me and most of them won't become standups because they don't want to get punched in the face every day of their life. And yeah. they're not, they're not really willing to put in the time because, you know, improv for better, for worse, especially in the early beginning, it's kind of a Pollyanna art form. It's a lot of people hugging themselves in the mediocrity saying, you're great. No, you're great. Oh my God. When you played the squirrel, you're so talented. No, you're so talented. So 
you know, I get why stand-ups hate it, and I understand why improvisers stop doing stand-up. But ultimately, I kind of come at it from a place. If you can get over the fact that they're completely different art forms, yeah. stand-ups are served well by doing improv because these days you need to be able to act. Yeah. And you don't have time to do plays and to dive into a bunch of stuff with acting because you're, you're doing stand-up all the time. But improv is something that you can pick up and just do. And I've never met a great improviser that can't act, but I've met a lot of great actors that can't improvise. So, hmm. you know, I think that's pretty much the pitch. But I totally understand why stand-ups hate it. But I, I do take some issue. A lot of stand-ups act like it just sucks on stage. But it's, yeah, but you don't know. There's a lot of great improv, but you don't know where to go. Yeah. And you don't know it's stand-up is just like improv in that there are horrible stand-up shows in New York every night. And there are horrible, we're seeing horrible uh, remote shows right now, but there's great remote shows. You know, like I, I did one last night. It was like, Holy crap, this is great. And then I've done remote shows that are horrible. And, and uh, improv is the same thing. Like improv can be the worst. It can be like, you want to pull your eyes out and then there are great improv shows. I mean, well, I mean, like, I think uh, uh, Middle Stitch and uh, Schwartz, which is on uh, Netflix right now, yeah. is a great, great two-prov. Uh, two, two guys, um, they do, they have three episodes on Netflix right now, and they're doing it in a theater. It's fun. It's great. And, but generally, improv doesn't really play for television. I was quite surprised if that really works, what they're doing. Um, but, I mean, I've been in a group for 10 years called the Baldwins, and we're – we're a good group. I mean, you know, New York Times has recommended us. Uh, Time Out New York. Uh, we were part. We've been part of the New York, uh, like New York Comedy Festival. I mean, we're good. And we've like in a week, we do weekend shows at the theater at the Pit. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time, like weekend residency. And uh, and there's lots of there are good improv shows. But I don't know. I totally I do understand it. I'm even. It's funny with me because I'm a total weirdo because I'm I'm also a Gemini. Okay. And I have a twin. So I, I think that's why I can do both because I totally have a Jekyll Hyde to my personality where I'm totally like, you know, team player guy, improv, let's work together. And then the stand up in me, I can get sadistic. And sometimes I'll, if I know an improviser, if they start talking and saying that they're a stand up comic when they really haven't put in that time and they've just been doing like little safe rooms, I'll drag them to like a hookah bar in Jersey somewhere and watch them bomb just wow. so that they can, just so that they can see like, no, you know, like you're not a stand, you're not a stand up comic. So just because. You see, sadistic you, you motherfucker. Like, I love, yeah, I love you're, you're hydra sadism. You're like, I explain it because I'm a Gemini. I know, well, I know that's my excuse. My excuse <laughs> over why I'm fractured this way is that I'm a Gemini, but uh, yeah, if I'm on stage, you know, I feel like when I improvise, I feel like I work, I play well with others and I'm not just trying to make it about me. But I do, I do, you know, I want stand-ups to appreciate improv and I want improvisers to appreciate stand-up. And yeah. it's probably never going to happen. It's always going to be kind of an oil and water situation, but they do help each other over time, but not in the beginning. So I think really, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm doing this out of ego, but I think that's why stand-up sometimes like to study with me because I get it. Like I get what you're going through and I know why you loathe this. Just hang in there because there is a point to this. And I 
the reason why I stuck with improv all those years was really just mental health. I found it very healthy to collaborate with other comedians that were improvising that worked as a group. And, uh, and you know, and improvisers are fun people. They're usually pretty, they're quick witted. They're fun. They're, they're generally uh, a little bit more positive. And they actually care about your career, I found, a little more. <laughs> you know how stand-ups, <laughs> like, we don't care. We pretend to care, but I don't know. I mean, It's competitive, I mean, too, in the stand-up. It's thing. very competitive. Yeah. And it's a silly competition because we're not actually competing with each other. That's like, true, there's yeah. nothing that you've ever gotten that in any way ever kept me from getting anything. <laughs> Just because you work at a club that I don't work at or vice versa, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with us. But yeah. we get very competitive. And... Um, I think for me, I skipped a lot of the, that part of it just because I started later. I, I was a commercial copywriter. I worked in advertising. And uh, so from when I got into stand-up and performing and, I, you know, and also just acting in general, I just wanted to do it to do it. You know, I just wanted to find out if I could do it at a professional level. Yeah. And New York will give you that. Like New York may not make you rich <laughs> or New York may not – uh, do a lot of things, but you can be around some of the best comedians in the world and, it, and New York will help you figure out if you could really, if you can cut it, you know? I love that. It, yeah, it'll make you figure out whether or not you're going to be professional at something. That's yeah. fucking cool. And I think one of the things I chafe at a little bit is, um, you know, like Middle Ditch and Schwartz, even looking at some of their screen caps here, you know, the fact that they're pretending, you know, like I see Middle Ditch here, he's looking, looking like he's driving a car, so he's got a fake you know, his hands are in the, the grip of a steering wheel. And it just seems like the pretending and the, the people who, you know, I've had improvisers on and they're hilarious. I love them. Sure. But I think, you know, at any level you show up, and I think I saw the SNL people do it at Improv Olympic in Chicago. Like, it really looks like these people are pretending. And at its worst, it looks like theater kids are enjoying pretending far too much into a cynical, jaded stand up or something that just kind of rubs you the wrong way that people are enjoying pretending too much and it just seems like you know like these are you know when you're a stand-up comic you probably you might not have been a theater kid when you were in school and you might have been like those, those people are a little weird playing pretend all the time like do you think that there's anything about the the pretending that goes on on stage at any level and the fact that theater kids enjoy the fuck out of it really rubs stand-ups the wrong way I totally believe that that could be the case but think about it this is what I'm saying this is what's so funny to me about stand-ups like, think about how dysfunctional that theory is. You know what I mean? Like, you're probably right. But think about, like, the whole idea of, like, look at those assholes having fun pretending like they're kids in camp games. <laughs> Fuck those guys, man. I don't like that. What is this, like, happy thing you're doing? I don't like that. You know? Like, instead of, instead of looking at those two guys, which, by the way, they're both rich. I mean, they've both been on television a lot. They, they don't have to do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like they're both solid, uh, you know, like uh, Silicon Valley and yeah. uh, House of Lies. Like these guys work, man. You know, yeah. uh, Space Camp, I think, is that show that Ben's on. Like these guys work, but they're doing this thing and like in a theater in front of a bunch of people, a lot of stakes or, you know, a lot of high stakes, you know, cameras are on them and they're miming driving a car and stuff. And then stand ups are like, look at those assholes. <laughs> Just pretending. I, I fucking love that. You're like, yeah, what kind of dysfunctional theory is that? That you look at people having fun and you just hate all over it. But I you love that it. fucking uh, Chris Griggs. He can do both because he's Gemini and he's a sadistic fuck. <laughs> and uh, 
but yeah, I mean, he can cloak it all in the fact that he's Gemini and he's just, uh, he's a pro at all this shit. And so check him out. He's <laughs> me, Chris Griggs. He's on Twitter like that, but also Chris Griggs comedy on Instagram and also Chris Griggs comedy, Chris Griggs comedy.com. So, Hey man, I hope to be in a class someday soon. Those Brooklyn kids are lucky, man. I thank you very much, man. This was a fun conversation. Uh, y'all have a good time. I'll see you on the other side of this world. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Hell yeah. Chris Griggs. Thank you so much. Thank you.